Welcome back to Bulls with the Bard. My name is Cakes. I am your host. Today we are talking with Renia Brown. Renia used to hate Shakespeare, so it's a little ironic that a little black girl from Kentucky would turn into a broadsword-wielding, Elizabethan dancing, classical actor. She also twerks and uses Megan the Stallion music as a vocal warm-up, so you know she is a well-rounded human being. Her favorite play of Billy's is Titus Andronicus, and you can fight her on that. She has played a whopping 37 Shakespearean roles and has done Macbeth five times. If she isn't on stage, you can catch her watching reruns of The Office and creating Shakespeare-themed gift boxes for her company, Box of the Bard. Renia is here today to talk about what it has been like to dive back into theater in a world with COVID and to discuss how the Shakespeare industry can do better by the Black community. I am thrilled and honored to share our conversation with you, but before we chatted, I hit the vaporizer and Renia let an edible kick in. All right, y'all, we are back talking plague things with Renia Brown. Rania, what were some of the highlights of your quarantines? Quarantines. <laughs> um, a lot of sleeping. Yes. And a lot of resting. I don't like to I don't like to stay still for too long. So it definitely made me sit still, sit alone with my thoughts. And also, um, I mean not to get all heavy or whatever, but I stopped. <laughs> drinking alcohol during the pandemic because it was becoming a a major problem and um and the and there are times when you do have an, an issue with drinking where you're like oh no this time I'm gonna stop no Monday Friday I'm gonna stop but uh when I gave myself the ultimatum of like either you're gonna do the work or you're gonna drink, you can't do both. Then um, I, I, it was actually a tough decision for me. So I, I did. I stopped. I stopped drinking during uh, pandemic. And so I can give you the exact date. Hell yeah! Good for you. That's such a hard thing many. to do. It is. Is rough. Okay, so I haven't drank in 797 days. That's like amazing. Thank you. Wow, congratulations. Good for you. Thank you. So that was my that was my major highlight. Awesome. Foreign times. Awesome. I vibe with that. I drank for a short period in college and I learned very quickly that it was not for me. Not so for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, that marijuana life, not too shabby. <laughs> Listen, it's great. It's so beneficial. Truly, truly. It calms my anxiety so much. Same. Same. Good, good. Well, now that we're kind of popping out of these quarantines and we're uh, emerging back into the world, you've kind of had a chance to uh, like dip your toe back into the world of theater. How has that been for you? It's kind of like when you fall off of a bike and then you get back on it 
except for the bike has the gear switched and you know you you are you got a scrape on your elbow and it's like how, how do I get back to this safely how do I readjust so it's it's a little bit it's a little bit of of whiplash of like oh right we do have to follow these these rules oh right we do have to take a break we do have to we don't have to, but like, yeah, I probably should wear something other than pajamas to, <laughs> re to rehearsal. It's, you know, getting out of the Zoom life and coming coming back in person, but also just the spirit of people, um, seeing people's faces and, and feeling their energy as opposed to just sort of seeing it um, on, on screen. It's like, oh, right, we, we, we have to readjust to this. Um, so sometimes I, you know, I deal with anxiety too, and um, it can be a little sound was like overstimulating for me. Uh, so I started with, um, I don't think I started with, but recently with Nollywood Dreams, there were six of us in the cast, but we were such a rambunctious group. The sound was overwhelming. And then with Midsummer, there were 14 people in the cast. So I'm, my sound is still learning to uh, readjust, but it's exciting. You can feel you can feel everybody buzzing and bursting with like, what's the thing we're gonna do now? Yeah, I feel that. I I like to say I was fortunate enough that I came to see you in Midsummer on a night that uh, I think your puck was out. Um, oh, and <laughs> but it was electric like it was so much fun to watch that show we we had to wait like a little while longer to get to see to get seated and get started and all of that and it was really exciting because the audience outside normally when you get that understudy announcement you feel a little bit of a like lull like the audience is like oh man okay we're not gonna get to see like the cast and for whatever reason like that night people were like oh okay it's it's puck they've got they've got to take their time they've got to get there and people were so excited and when y'all took your bows it was like the most wholesome thing in the world because y'all were up on stage cheering her on just as much as the audience was and yeah that felt like a great like covid full circle theater moment how, yeah how was that on your end <laughs> oh my gosh I gotta give a huge shout out to Sabrina because um who, who stepped in for Puck who normally plays Snug um she's brilliant perfect comedic timing um and she's young and like just getting out of school and getting off of tour so um that and it was funny because earlier that day my Lysander might have Hunter he he was shooting a film and it, he potentially could have been out so during that day we were working with Khalid our understudy who was going to go in for Hunter and so there was a whole bunch of like okay what what all do we need to do Sabrina didn't know she was going on until later during the day so she shows up and we're all like the the lovers are like okay what let's you know let's make a plan you know how how do we get this sorted but she was just so calm like yeah yeah I just need to walk it I just need to walk it that's that's about it 
and she's so goofy so I, I was like not knowing what to expect during the show uh but she 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 killed it and Brooke who stepped in for her had gone on I think as the wall and then she was going on the lion so it was a lot of jigsaw um puzzle pieces putting together but um I was so I was so proud of her I obviously I'm still proud of her um but yeah that's that was uh electrifying it kept all of us on our toes of like anything can happen in live theater um and it wasn't due to COVID either so uh, oh wow so yeah it was it was a great that was a great night wow yeah that's amazing it really like speaks to the adaptability of actors yeah and that we have to prepare for that now you know usually when you're like oh we have understudies for the show bp before pandemic it was like oh yeah well you know an understudy may go on if someone is shooting a film or if someone is you know I don't know, having a baby or something. And now it's like anything can happen. COVID can happen. So we take these understudies seriously. I think we should always take understudies seriously, swings, everybody. But yeah, she was she was prepared. Oh, what a what a cool night for you to come. Yeah, it was awesome. I I really enjoyed it. I think this period of time has kind of shifted people's attitude toward when that happens a little bit. Like there's more yes. of an appreciation for what they do and just how hard it is to do it. So, yeah. So speaking of how COVID has changed or like not changed theater, I have been a little frustrated coming back from the pandemic and feeling a little bit like, as we entered it, we were having a lot of conversations about what needed to be done to make theater a more equitable place to work. And I feel like some of those conversations were had and then the actions were not taken to to follow up on that. Um, so with this season, my goal is kind of to try to figure out like, how can Shakespeare be better for the communities that traditionally it hasn't really served um so with you I'm interested in knowing like how can Shakespeare do better by black women and where are we falling short yeah I've thought about this a lot and sometimes I think I'm right and sometimes I think I'm wrong first of all I think we've got to stop making such a big deal out of casting and what I mean by that is we shouldn't be blown away by like a black woman is playing you know I don't know Kate in Taming of the Shrew the fact that we're that we gasp at that that's a problem Mm. so so we we've got to we've got to get out of that and on top of that I understand you know people have um concepts they want to make concepts around race or you know interracial relationships etc and that's fine but but I think um the story becomes more powerful if these people just exist in the world if we just see a black lady Macbeth she's just black you know she's (laughs) so I, I think we have to get into making this a normal thing because the more that we 
gasp and awe of it, the rarer it becomes of like, you know, oh, we didn't do, we haven't done that for 10 years, for five years, for, you know, however long. So I think we've got to, we've got to let go of that. And then the other thing is like, it is not on the actors, it's not on Shakespeare, it's on the theaters themselves to, to go into their community, um, into their surrounding communities. And if, if their community where they, where the theater is, does not reflect people of color, then they need to go further out. And when I say reach out to them, I don't mean, um, you know, pass out flyers. I mean, you need to have like a get to know us week. You need to give out free tickets. You need to provide free workshops for their kids. You need to have some sort of incentive to welcome people in and say, we want you here. And the more you have people come come into the theater, they will, they will buy tickets. It, there was a, when we were at the uh, building museum, there would be some nights where we'd be, you know, we're just down the street from the Capital One Arena. And a couple of nights, I just saw all these black people just coming out. And I'd be asking them like, what, who was at the arena? They're like Kendrick Lamar, Kevin Hart, um, the OJs, whatever. And I'm like, here is an audience. There should be no reason why theaters say, oh, we can't, you know, we're, we're trying, we're trying. You know, and I see, you know, 8,000 black people walking around DC. I'm like, no, and, and that's not, you know, at, at the Folger, that's just at theaters at large. Like these communities exist. You've just got to do the work to bring them in. And so that's how we do right by, by black women, black, black people, by brown people, people of color. You've, yeah, you can, you can get them on the stage all you want, but if you don't have the people who reflect our world coming in, then, then what, what's it all been about? I love that. I feel like having lived in DC for 10 years, it feels like community is an element of Black culture that is so, so, so valued. So that just makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Um, I know, like, coming to see your Midsummer, there was a feeling for me and my boyfriend, who is half Black, that was like, finally, like a cast <laughs> that reflects this city in a in an equity Shakespeare show um yeah 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 and yeah I'd love to see more of that and then I think kind of getting to what you're saying more of those people even being from the community that the show was going up in would be lovely as well yeah um yeah, thank you for all of that. I really yeah. appreciate that insight. You know, I was I was talking to um Jacob, who's one of my favorites, and I don't know if I'm his best friend, but he's one of mine. But his name is Jacob Ming Trent. He played Bottom, and um we were we were talking about he had this this interview, and he said, "Listen, I don't I don't really care about." getting to know Shakespeare better. He's dead. And all, you know, all of what we know is like what we read about, which is very little about him and his, and his personal life. So why do we put so much onus on, on Shakespeare himself? 
we're the ones who are here now. So it doesn't matter about like, well, what would he think? Or what was he thinking when he wrote this? Or maybe he didn't, you know, and I, I love that. Um, and I, you know, obviously value Shakespeare because he, he wrote these words, but it is, it is a little bit like, who are we, who are we thinking about here? Are we thinking about people who are living currently, breathing, who are witnessing the work, or do we care about, um, you know, pleasing uh, of the past and how things used to be done? So, Amen. Yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, piggybacking off of that in terms of making things more exciting and worth repeating over and over and over again, like do we want to see the same words done the same way over and over? Or do we want to see how different people can influence those words or change those words a little bit? Because who cares if we ad lib in Shakespeare a little bit? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and he yeah. started that. He actually started that. He was so. great. I thought it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, he started that and it started to rub off on on all of us a little bit of like yeah we can why can't we stretch stretch out in this just a little bit um but that the text still makes sense um you know nowadays we don't say oh Juno or by Joe we don't we don't say that and so yeah. when I the first time I heard him say black baby Jesus I thought <laughs> Are, you know there, there's this there's this feeling of like are we allowed to do that are we allowed to do that you know but yeah he he takes such liberty I, re I respect him as as a friend and so much as an artist so yeah it's 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 brave in Shakespeare with people who have those super strong opinions it's it's brave but I I felt it added like a touch of freedom and authenticity that yeah can be missing from Shakespeare sometimes so I guess to wrap things up kind of going against one of the things that you just said but are there any like plays or characters in particular that you would like to see with the influence of the Black community? Yeah I I really want to see an all-Black Antony and Cleopatra. Ooh, okay because and you know this is a look this is a whole other podcast episode but like <laughs> and I just see the title like was Cleopatra black and I remember years ago when I first started my professional journey I was in a dressing room with um with all white women and they were uh talking about how someone had mentioned you know that Cleopatra should be black. And um, they were they were like almost yelling of like, she wasn't black, she was Greek. Like, you know, we have, we have this information. And I, for some reason, you know, I hadn't come into my voice yet, but I wasn't, I didn't say anything. I just listened. And it, and it also pissed me off that they were talking like that while I was in the room um, and didn't acknowledge me, but I, I thought like, are there not black Greeks? You know, <laughs> it's just like, were there not? So, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, 
I'd like to see like all black things just to see what would happen. What happens if these people are just existing? Um, because I think when you start to introduce, like I said earlier, if you start to introduce half the cast is white, half the cast is black, then it becomes the, a play about race. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, well, yeah, well, what if we just do Anthony and Cleopatra, but it's all black people? What would happen? I'm also, I'm also interested in stepping into roles if shows are not all black of like the roles where I'm not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to play, I think I, I made this comment on one of your posts. I want to play Amelia. I'm going to play Amelia uh, because there's nothing in the text that says that she is, uh, you know, white or, or whatever. Um, I want to play Tamara and Titus Andronicus. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but I just want to, I want to shake things up and just see what happens and how we as an audience have to adjust, how a director has to adjust but without us messing with the text because the text supports a lot more than I think we, we give it credit. Hell yeah. I can't wait till I get the opportunity to see you do all of these things because <laughs> they will happen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So yeah, speak that into existence. I will. I will. Good God, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. All right. I think that that is a good place for us to wrap up. Rania, thank you so much for coming on the show. When I came up the idea for this season, you were one of the first people who came to mind. Um, oh. So I, I'm, I was overjoyed that you agreed to come on. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I, and I want to say you are one of the, you're one of the first people that popped up. Once I tried to like, figure out how to make my own algorithm work for me. Um, I found you and was like, this, you, I need to follow you. Um, you're, you're so smart. You're so committed to the work. Uh, this 10,000 hours of Shakespeare, like kudos to you. Uh, that's awesome. And you, I don't know if you realize like how this rubs off on other people, uh, even it, like, when I saw that, I was like, why am I not, why am I not doing this? And I started to think about the amount of time that I've spent. I'm like, does that add up to 10,000 hours? Why am I not, you know, not just the shows, but like watching shows, reading again, rereading plays. So um, yeah, you've, you've relit another fire of like back, back in the gym almost. So yeah. thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm glad I could help with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Rania and Bulls with the Bard at the handles either on your screen or in the description. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And tune in next week as we chat with Peter McHale about DC's new chapter of Drunk Shakespeare, and how the Shakespeare industry can do better by mixed-race individuals. Until then, bye y'all! A thousand thousand sighs to save, oh, lay me where sad true lover never find my grave to weep there.